I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E-minus 37 seconds. Fight. Enjoying e equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ryan Treasure. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. And, you know, we got a great show for you guys because there's a couple of topics. And when you talk about, you know, being the best you you can be, uh, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you work a nine to five for somebody else, whatever you do, your mindset matters, right? How you go into a given day, a given week, a given month, a given year, the way that your attitude is and the way that you approach things really sets the tonality for how the outcome can be. So I want to talk a little bit about that today, um, because as you know, here on Finding Your Frequency, it's really hard to find your frequency if you're a negative Nancy, right? So don't be a negative Nancy. We want to always have that right mindset. And so we have a fantastic guest for us today. She's authentic, powerful, original, and super awesome. Lorianne Rising, who's an international award-winning author and co-host of The Week radio show rise and shine not just for mornings anymore right here on the voice america channel you guys can check out her radio show every week it is on on tuesdays and you guys got to check it out i'm telling you it's a great show her and uncle mark are just getting down and uh, it's at 12 noon pacific on the variety channel uh, they got great music great laughs just a great attitude so Lori, welcome to the show well thank you for having me so, you know, Lori, I know that, you know, you are a uh, best-selling author. Um, you know, you've been featured on NBC and ABC, uh, the CW, CBS, Fox, and a few other different destinations. And, you know, I, I really like what you have on your website. Your thoughts determine your choices. Your choices create your life. Take control of your thoughts simply, effectively, and permanently to reclaim your life and live your purpose. That's so powerful and so dynamic. And I think especially with, you know, all of the things that are happening in society today in the world with, you know, unrest and, you know, people calling out racism and COVID-19 and, you know, it just seems like 2020, you know, as as much as I thought it was going to be this, you know, breakthrough spiritual eye opening year. It has been that, but it's been that and much more. And I think the idea of, you know, having a proper mindset and your mindset mattering is even more important in these particular times than ever before. Um, and so I want to I want to get into that. But before we do, uh, Lori, tell us about you. Like, you know, how did you found your frequency in life and where did you decide to, you know, uh, go off and, and and summon the intestinal fortitude to go do your own thing? Honestly, I would say it came the hard way. I was not always the person who just naturally, I mean, I still don't get up bright-eyed bright, bright -eyed and bushy-tailed in the mornings, you know, <laughs> I need my coffee kind of thing. Um, but I spent quite a number of years in my, my early adulthood just 
doing what I needed to do and quite often not feeling real positive about it. It was a lot of have-tos and that wears on you after a while. It just, it gets real difficult, especially to keep your energy going and, you know, sometimes just getting up is everything you can do. So it, there were, I would say, a couple of turning points that shifted things for me. The first one was when my son was about three years old, my daughter was 12 days old, and my 49-year-old mother went into the hospital with a brain aneurysm, and I watched her fight for her life. And over the course of a few months, working through all kinds of things that happened as a result of that, you know, at the time I was 27 and wound up really confronting my own mortality and the sense of waking up and realizing, you know what, I could walk out my front door today and not come home. Whether it's a random car accident, who knows what. That was the first step of waking up because one of the questions I asked myself was, you know, okay, if, if worst case scenario something does happen, can I be proud of the life I've lived up to this point at least? And the answer for me at that time was no. And I made a commitment to myself first and foremost to, you know, go to bed every night saying yes to that question. Even if things didn't work out the way I wanted them to or they were still in progress, could I at least say I did my part? Yeah. And I wanted to say yes to that every single day. So that was really the first piece for me. Um, and that happened, like I said, when I was 27. So from there, it became an interesting journey of sorting through what makes that a yes and what makes that a no and what other choices do I need to make throughout my life to adjust and course correct because I was so far off course. It was, it was a progress, progressive journey, I would say. Um, but then actually just a, a few years ago, it found myself in a situation where my children were divorcing me because I would not allow them to dictate my life. Uh, and they were 12 and 15 at the time. Um, and basically gave me an ultimatum, said, you know, you break up with the man you're dating or we'll never speak to you again. Ouch. It, yeah, it was it was uh, kind of mind blowing. Actually, I was shocked by it first and foremost. My response to that was to say, "Okay, that's a power play. That is not a relationship. That's a, a vie for power and control, which is completely inappropriate from a twelve and fifteen year old to their mother." Oh yeah, and. So I, but I had to choose, do I stand in my truth and say, no, you don't get to have that power over my life, or do I try to save the relationship with my kids? Um, and I spent a year in the courts, because they actually did serve me with paperwork with the help of their dad, uh, and I, it went through the courts. I mean, so that's why I call it a divorce. It was actually a, a proceeding through the courts. and. Um, I lost my kids. I worked hard to try to find a different solution and realized, you know, this is not something I can work out by myself. They have to meet me somewhere on this road and uh, yeah. they chose not to. So that was really the point at which, 
you know, kind of that defining moment between what am I going to give up to save a relationship or make things work at everybody else's happiness versus the cost of my own? Or am I willing to stand in my truth and build a life around my personal integrity? I chose my personal integrity. So, As right you should. I mean, man, that's tough. I have a kid. She's six. Um, I'm married to her mother. So, you know, we're, our relationship is great. But I mean, what kind of a feeling is that for you to you know, have your kids, you know, come out and say that to you. And we're, my question is, is like the guy that you were dating, like they must've really hated that guy. Well, I don't know. I know he's different than anybody, like very different from their dad, different from others I had dated. And before I met him, I was very, very single for three years and spent that time really doing a lot of deep dive inner healing work to let go of my past yeah. and when I entered into that work I knew that when I resurfaced I'd be a different person I'd be making different choices because what I had been basing previous choices on wouldn't be a factor anymore a lot of it was trauma and pain and I was healing those things so they wouldn't control my life anymore so I knew I'd be making different choices as a result and I was looking forward to that new person <laughs> that I would be, so I wouldn't keep making the same mistakes. And I did it with the intention of showing my kids what life could be like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to try to, to lead by example and lift all of us up. And so there's sort of a, I want to say a twisted irony in how it all turned out, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but so I, I guess I can say when I resurfaced, the people that were coming into my life were very, very different than what my children were used to. My kind of a, a, another factor was that my son was diagnosed with Asperger's when he was nine. And so his ability to, uh, I want to say, handle unique personalities or go with the flow is very different. He interprets uh social cues very differently than normal so that was a factor he's also the 15 year old or was at the time so there's the male hormones (laughs) and you know all of those factors coming into play my daughter did get along um with with the gentleman i was dating mostly there were some things to work out but when the ultimatum was issued by my kids they were apparently a united force on that so i don't know about you guys but i absolutely love keeping my face nicely shaved nice and clean for my wife and just that nice clean professional look i suggest you guys also do the same thing and you can do it fantastically with a great company called harry's harry's is such an amazing product not to mention how much could you save in one year by switching to Harry's. It's enough to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York City or enough for three deep dish Chicago pizzas. Enough to pay for six months of your Netflix subscription. How, you ask? Harry's delivers high quality razor blades as low as $2 each. That's it, just $2. A fraction of the price of the leading brand and saving you hundreds of dollars over time. 
I just love the product. It's 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 a close shave. The design of the handle is ergonomic. It fits my hand perfectly. The shave gel really makes it nice and smooth, and it smells fantastic. You can get a Harry's trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com slash frequency. You got to try it out. Durable blades, fair price, $2 per blade. They cut out the middleman manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been making precision blades for a century. That's why you get that nice, close shave and that wonderful handle. Harry actually has all your grooming needs covered in one stop. You can get blades, hair care, shower products, all on harrys.com. And just like their blades, Harry's is committed to providing premium products without breaking the brink. You can feel a little better about your purchase knowing that 1% of the proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoting to helping provide access to better mental health care for men and veterans. I know I can get behind that. To help support those who need it most, right now, Harry's is donating a million dollars worth of shaving supplies to hospitals across the United States. Listeners of Finding Your Frequency can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash frequency. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip, and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and safe to grab on the go. Don't forget, go to harrys.com slash frequency and start saving money today. I was a the child of a single mom for a long time. Like I, I, I still to this day do not do not know who my real father is. I've never met him. I know his name and I know what state he lives in, but he doesn't even know that I exist, right? Um, and so I think I was six years old and my mom started dating again and you know brought this strange guy at home and you know they had been dating and then a year went by and the next thing I know he's moving in with us um, and it was like a scary time you know and I'm like I don't know this guy you know all leery about it you know for us ultimately it worked out well and I still call him my father um, you know he passed away when I was 15 but um, I'm just I'm grateful for the time that I did have right because by the time I was you know seven years old or something when he moved in I had a dad for like <laughs> seven years and that was it um, and you know there were some times too where we had clashed and you know I was probably 13 or 14 years old just before uh, and I didn't know that um, he had I, I didn't know at this time and neither did he that he had cancer and uh, there were there was some times where it was just like I told my mom I'm like mom if you don't make a change like I gotta get out of here like we don't get along you know um, and and it it took him getting cancer for us to have like a bond and a closeness where there was some you know caring but I can I can kind of understand where you're coming from and where your kids may have been coming from kind of being in a similar situation but not to the extent where I went to my mom and gave her an ultimatum and said hey you know if you if you don't stop seeing this guy where I'm gonna leave or something like that I didn't have a father I didn't have you know where was I gonna go <laughs> no matter how <laughs> that I right. got, you know, but, um, right. and, and, and how much, how much do you think of, uh, you know, how much push from their father do you think was in their decision-making? <laughs> um, I think there was a lot, th there was a lot there in, yeah. in my opinion. I, I have a feeling that I would hear all kinds of other versions if you spoke with other people, but I'm the one sitting here. So, um, <laughs> the, the direct precipitating factor was that uh, 
my the gentleman I was dating, Mark, my co-host on the show, we're still together. Uh, he and I decided to take the kids on a camping trip. We'd been dating about six months at that point and thought, okay, this might be an opportunity. My son didn't want to go, but I thought, you know, it's appropriate to bring everybody along for a, a family trip. He can be sour if he wants to, but you know, he's, he's 15, whatever. Uh, during that camping trip, 15 year olds are just sour anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) They certainly can be. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, whatever, blow that off. Uh, but going on that camping trip, there were several things that happened. Um, first and foremost, my, I remember my daughter coming up from the lake shore and she was upset found out what was wrong come to find out my son had been throwing rocks at her while she was down there and I'm like okay that's not okay and I'm like he's 15 I know he knows better Uh, so I went down to talk with him and he turned around and threw a bunch of rocks at me and so I stopped him to you know confront the situation and handle it and he actually cocked back his right hand like he was going to punch me and I stood my ground for better or worse it was a situation I'd been in before his father had tried that tactic once with me he never hit me but I knew better than to back down from a bully so I stared him down and he walked away Uh, and then he was calmer after that but when we were cleaning up camp you know, he was doing a teenage thing, you know, grab stuff, come over, throw it down. So I did the mom thing and said, no, you come over, do it correctly, and you'll repeat it as many times as it takes. <laughs> and each time I made him repeat it, he would get more upset. Um, I'm dealing with that with my six-year-old right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get better. Uh, so <laughs> it's like, okay, just keep repeating it. And he just keeps getting frustrated. And... At one point, Mark finally said something to him about how inappropriate the behavior was, and that was a trigger for my son. I actually heard my son under his breath say, you know, if he doesn't shut up, I'm going to kill him. And the next thing I know, my son started a fist fight with Mark, and I had maybe a second or two to get my daughter and I out of the way kind of thing. So it was in the process of trying to hold my son accountable to that behavior when we got back to town and say, look, you can't come back to my house because you're not safe. So there's some behavior standards we need to adhere to and work through so that you can come back because I want you to be in our lives. But right now, there's a behavior issue. Rather than backing me up, on that the next thing I know his father was sending me a text message about how I had a victim complex and this was my fault and within two weeks my son was using the same language Mm. and when I talked to my son about how inappropriate it was to have threatened me his response was well but I didn't hit you so it's fine and when I talked to him about starting the fight with Mark, he he said, oh, well, I talked to my other 15 and 16-year-old friends, and they thought it was fine. And it snowballed from there. It was like the more I tried holding him accountable to 
what I considered intolerable behavior in my life. So it's absolutely intolerable behavior. Let me um, let, let me tell you <laughs> let me tell you what my mom yes. would have done if I would have done that to her. She would have literally beat the bejesus out of me. I, I think there was maybe one time when I was 12 years old that I stepped up to my mother and it was the last time I ever stepped up to my mother. Um, different parenting styles, right? My mom is, my mom is, uh, you know, my mom was born in the early fifties. So, you know, the way that she was raised was quite different than, you know, a lot of others and, you know, that type of behavior. And I, and you, that's funny that you brought that up. I tried to fight my stepdad one time, right? Same mm -hmm. thing, no joke. He he punched me in the chest so hard. He was a big, my dad was six foot five, right? Giant man. I stood up to him like I'm a man and his answer to me was, oh, if you wanna, if, if you think you're a man, I will, we'll, we'll, we'll handle this like men. And he punched me in the chest and well, that was the end of that. Um, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of I think parenting styles that have shifted you know over time like I don't I don't I don't do the same tactics with like my daughter like we don't have you know it's right. it, it's more like you know time out that's repetitive this repetitive that versus you know let me spank you or something like that how I was brought up but I think sometimes you know when a 15 year old gets out of control like that sometimes they need a whipping <laughs> <laughs> well and and honestly I Mark held his own. I mean, I watched when when they were fighting on the ground uh, that that fateful camping trip. I did the look on my son's face. It gave me the impression that he was in fact doing everything he possibly could to cause damage. Yeah. Uh, watching Mark, he. I could tell he wanted to, but he kept stopping himself and focusing on just pin him down. Yeah, he, he showed um, constraint, yeah. Yeah, and Mark That's walked away with a couple of injuries. My son did not. Um, so it was, and for me, it felt like, okay, I'm in the middle. How do I, I it just, I yeah. literally had no concept of how to process what was going that, on. I think that feeds my the daughter's ego, fear, the kid too. My, I mean, it was just, I have no idea. <laughs> well, and I'm sure too that it probably, you know, the 15 year old, your son, you know, when, when that, when that altercation happens and like Mark has some, you know, some injuries and the kid doesn't, that also bolsters his ego. Like, oh, I, I beat him up. And, you know, I'm like, you know, they have that, I, that mentality that further fuels the bad behavior. Well, and then of course my response is to go take care of the injury not to try to, you know, make my son feel better or solve any of that. It's like, well, no, this is what's appropriate is to handle the injury and, you know, those kinds of things. So it was it was a very strange situation. In many ways, unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I came out of an abusive home as a child. I wound up marrying somebody just like my stepfather. And it took me a number of years to wake up and shift things for myself. Like I said, a lot of that waking up was my mom's aneurysm. Mm -hmm. And the journey to getting my life on track had a lot to do with learning how to set boundaries, learning how to take care of myself. And part of that was, of course, divorcing and reestablishing my life and, and all of those things to get myself out of that. I had hoped that I had gotten out soon enough that my kids 
wouldn't repeat those behaviors. So part of the, I want to say grief, disappointment for me personally, was seeing my son turn into exactly what he hated so much in his father. You know, he was doing exactly the same things. And to see my daughter be manipulated through it. I mean, I, I recall at one point in the court process towards the end of it, sitting with my attorney, me, and the kid's attorney. The, the courts had appointed the kids their own attorney. Sitting with the three of us and the kid's attorney telling me, look, I, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but I've seen a thousand plus cases like this. We don't diagnose at least until 18 because it could be a hormonal thing or whatever, but your son is showing sociopathic tendencies and he is manipulating the situation and every, and I can see that. Your ex-husband is also manipulating the situation and your daughter is caught in the middle. And your only hope, if, if you're lucky, you might be able to establish a relationship with your daughter if you're willing to go to counseling, which I absolutely was. Uh, yeah. My daughter was not, unfortunately. But when he said that, I mean, it was stuff I already knew. It wasn't a surprise, but there was sort of a, unfortunately, a validation like, okay, I'm not just going crazy here. <laughs> There's this stuff is happening. Um, so like I said, I guess it's unfortunate that my son has chosen to be that, or at least he was at 15. It's been five years. There's a good chance he's changed since then or learned something, but the messages that I get from the family on occasion, the story that the kids are sharing is that I abandoned them for the man in my life. Which, on one hand, I can, you know, for 12 and 15, I can kind of see where that, that, at least that emotional feeling would mm -hmm. be coming from. But you don't see a mother who's abandoning her children fight for them in court and continue to try to reach out and rebuild the relationship. That's not what a mother does when she's abandoning her kids. So <coughs> I hold a very different view of, of that, I guess you could say. Yeah, and you know, um, I I have some experience in that space too. My my wife's brother, who's just like two years younger than her, um, went through something. He has four kids with the this this young woman that he was married to, and when you talk about abandoning, like he came home from work one day and she was just gone. Wow. Right? never left a note a nothing and still to this day he, he he filed divorce paperwork she never showed up in court for any of that um she never tried to contact him the children any longer i mean that's abandoning somebody right that yes you know what you did was try to fight for your children but you were you you were like outgunned you know what i mean like because of the manipulation on the two sides and um you know that makes it really tough and i i really hope that your son who's what now probably 20 now yeah he turned 20 this year yeah and do you guys ever talk at all uh i have not spoken to my son since uh just before his 16th birthday my daughter reached out a couple of years ago and 
we had lunch and we we tried to make a connection and I actually I to this day I have no idea what shifted because mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like things were going in the right direction and I have I, I don't know um, she just became very angry and cut me off again so and I haven't heard anything since um, so yeah it's all I can do at this point is sort of wait and hope they mature <laughs> and start learning other views of what happened or I'm, I'm hoping someday maybe my son owns up to what he did um, because the thing is I have documentation as well I mean it's not like it's just my perception I have a note he wrote at one point that that flat out said you know I'm good at manipulating things so watch out you know he bragged about it um, you know and there's there's other things I've collected over the years because even just dealing with their dad before that when there were issues if I called child services I was actually told well you're the ex-wife you have a gr- axe to grind we can't take your word for anything so I learned to document every interaction yeah. constantly so that I could show somebody like I'm not making this up you know so I, I still have all of that um, it's unfortunate to me that when I do get messages from the family they're about how I need to apologize for abandoning my kids and I need to stop talking about what happened because it might hurt them Um, the last time that happened was actually just this last this year I I wrote an open letter on my blog to my son on his birthday on March 2nd and posted that over the course of a couple of days I was actually surprised at how widely shared and read it was Uh, and it did talk about some of what happened I wound up getting a text from a family member asking me to take that down um, because in her words you know words are sacred and they don't have the opportunity to defend themselves and my response was to say yes words are sacred and so is my truth and if they don't like the truth, they shouldn't have behaved that way in the first place. You know, I I really love it. The scenario is terrible, right? Like the fact mm-hmm. that you don't have this relationship with your kids, your ex-wife, your ex-husband was clearly a, um, I won't use expletives, but not a very nice she human She was abusive. Being. Yeah. <laughs> um, but through all of that, you still continued to show leadership through example and even though you know they're not recognizing it um it truly leadership is leading by example right and and sticking to your truth and even though the end result isn't the desirable result at least you can go to bed every night knowing that you stayed true to yourself right and i think that's an important message for our listeners you know especially when you talk about finding your frequency like you can't find your frequency as a human being unless you're staying true to yourself to who you are where you're trying to go and what you're trying to accomplish Absolutely. And sometimes it requires difficult situations where we have to make a choice. And it winds up meaning that that once you finally make the choice, 
you know, it's that much more solid. Mm -hmm. It took me that whole year when things were in the courts, literally looking myself in the mirror every time I passed one and saying, how do I make this choice? What do I base my life on? Because I knew, you know, I couldn't make it about my kids or the man in my life. I just couldn't. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. One, choosing my kids and giving them power wasn't an option for me. But choosing the man in my life that I just started dating would wind up putting a power dynamic in that relationship that wasn't appropriate. And I still wouldn't be able to live with myself because then what kind of mother am I? So I had to find something that was a third path through it that no matter what the perception of other people, I could still look at myself in the mirror and know who I am. Yep. And that became the most important piece for me is who am I at the end of all of this, regardless of what the stories are that circulate about me, because that's how I sleep at night. You guys have to check out this new service that I'm playing around with called Issue. It is totally amazing. You live to create, but you don't live to worry over the last nitpicky details involved in putting final touches on contact. You got to do what you do best and let Issue handle the rest. If you're a creative, you know the drill. You're finally done editing. It's perfect. Now you just need format and reformat for every single platform. With Issue, make it once and it's ready to post everywhere. Seriously, Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines and sales collateral. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, salespeople, or just anyone that wants to make eye-catching content that can be distributed on multiple platforms. Issue makes it really simple. Just upload the PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. With Issue, you just create it one time and distribute it everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website, social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. They can even help you make animated Instagram stories. And the best part about it, it is free. F-R-E-E free. That's right, it's free to get started with Issue. So go to issue.info slash frequency to sign up for your free account. That's I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency to sign up and let them know that you heard about it from this show, Finding Your Frequency. Remember, that's dot info, not dot com, dot info. So go to I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency and get your free account today. You know, my dad wasn't necessarily abusive um, per se, um, maybe some verbal abusive stuff. But I mean, my dad was a career military guy. And so that's just, you know, kind of how he ticked. He didn't know any other way, but, you know, this is how you do it right now. Right. right. Um, and it's mm -hmm. taken me as a long time, you know, uh, you know, my daughter's six. Um, and I still every day am working on, you know, how I'm communicating, how I'm applying discipline, how I'm, uh, you know, being a father. And it's something that changes all the time on the dynamic, you know, because I don't want I don't want my daughter to have angst like I have towards my father. I don't have a lot of angst, but there are times where I'm like, why would you do this or why would you act this way or why would you be so you know, aggressive in those manners? And when you're around that all the time, that's like all you know, right? So I grew up mm -hmm. for seven years of my life as a young adult with a father who was overly aggressive in certain circumstances. And so sometimes when I'm dealing with my family matters, I sometimes find myself being overtly aggressive and I have to go whoa pump the brakes dude stand back take a take a take a deep breath um you know because I can be kind of intimidating at times I mean I'm 6'2 I weigh 230 pounds I've been doing karate for 10 years of my life like you know when I get angry 
I have to take, I have to stop. I have to walk out of the mm-hmm. room. I've got to reassess my, you know, where I'm going because I, you know, just like you, I don't want, I don't want my daughter to have to, you know, live through a scenario where she feels uncomfortable with her dad or, you know, any of those kind of things. And so it's been, it's been tough. And, you know, clearly you've got to show the, the leadership through example and, you know, I feel like too, because my daughter is like, I'm like the first guy she's ever going to love. Right. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And you know, just like your scenario, like when you married your first husband, he was very much like your stepfather, you know? And I, I'm afraid that if that dynamic happens with my daughter and I'm not the right man or the good person I'm supposed to be, then ultimately that sets her up for failure down the road. And it is, it's one of those things where, you know, I want to live my truth too, but at the same time, I want to live it in a manner that allows me to foster a great relationship with my daughter and you know uh, and my wife and it's been really tough for me to uh, like literally sit down and internalize you know who I am how I'm operating making sure that I, I do the right thing and this radio show has been so helpful in that actually it's like my therapy because having conversations with people just like you about real life situations and you know how hard you know, living your truth is and how hard it is to make tough decisions in those spaces. And even just know, even just taking the time to recognize like, Hey, you got to grow, you got to do better. You've got to, you know, make strides to be a better person. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there. I think that either, either they don't know or are unwilling to put in the work on themselves to, you know, try to go and, and, and be a better person. And so I think that's a great message for our listeners as, you know, you talk about, you know, the, the things that you do and mindset matters and, you know, living through change and challenges and those types of things, you know, we're in a constant state of change and flux. And if you don't have the ability to take, you know, uh, like, like we stop at a stoplight, right? We stop at a stoplight so we can let the traffic go by. If you don't do that in life and stop for just a second and let the traffic go by so you can kind of clear your head and move forward and then you're not you're not really assessing or thinking about what you're doing you're just like on autopilot your subconscious is running your life <laughs> oh absolutely and you know honestly there are many aspects of of things that i still struggle with constantly i think the best thing that we can do like you're talking about is get conscious of it and keep doing the work we are all human and none of us are perfect. And as much as we think, oh, well, I should be past this by now, or I should, you know, <laughs> whatever. The reality is that some things are just simply a lifelong journey. And it's part of who we are. If we picked it up at an early enough age, it is, it's literally wired into us. And so yep. it's an ongoing process of just getting more and more conscious. To me, it sounds like you are leading by example, doing the right things. And you can't be the same parent to your daughter now as you were when she was three and you're not going to be able to be the same parent in another three years or six Mm -hmm. months for that matter they change so quickly and that's just how it is so if we're not willing to grow if we're not willing to look in the mirror we're probably implode at some point honestly i'm not sure well, yeah and, the, and the, the world is changing too like you oh, know yes. I, I i grew up you know i i grew up i'm almost 40 so there that's when i grew up you guys can get that um 
and the world that my mom and dad were preparing me for, which the world I'm living in now is not going to be the same world that my daughter lives in when she's my age, right? And so that's one of the things that I think is important as a parent um, or or a leader in, in business or whatever you're doing. You've got to set up your people for success for the future of the way things will be later. And so some of that takes a lot of thought and you're like, well, you know, books are perfect example when I grew up if I needed to find something I had to go into the library at my at my house and go through the Encyclopedia Britannica go find whatever I'm looking for look it up you know all that kind of stuff nowadays kids can just literally say Alexa or Google or whatever they want and like mm-hmm. the multitude of information is available but that's the world that they're going to be living in when 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 they are all grown and so we have to be able to be adaptable and be flexible and change in our parenting style and our style of relationships and all of those areas because people do change. I mean, I've been with the same woman since 1996, right? We Congratulations, uh, we, we, that's impressive. <laughs> we got married in 2011. I went a little backwards. I said, I'll get married once I buy a house, right? Instead of getting married and building the life together, I was like, I'll, let me get some of these ducks in a row first. But during those times too I've had to change she's changed she's not the same person now that she was you know back in 1996 when we were you know getting done with high school and all that stuff Um, Mm -hmm. she's a different person I'm a different person we went through a bunch of stuff together that made us different people you know our Mm -hmm. relationship isn't built on the same premise as it was then either our communication mechanisms and standards are different now than they were before Um, Mm -hmm. and you know I think it's just identifying that you have to be flexible, that people change. And if you want to make a commitment to a human being, right, um, you've got to be able to be flexible. And how important is that relationship to you to be able to to have that flexibility? Um, And and, and I I know you'll echo this one. And communication is like key. Mm. You can't you can't go through relationships or life without having a proper set of communication. I mean, and I know for you, you have a master's degree in organizational communication. <laughs> so I, I bet you, you you follow me on that one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's also something we're constantly learning because each of us has a different communication style. Yep. And it's interesting that you bring up, you know, how, you know, my parents tried to prepare me for the world that they thought it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that meant, oh, you, you prepare for a career. You study and train for a particular career path. And then, of course, you're going to stay there until you retire. My parents would actually tell me, well, you'll grow up. You'll get a job you hate. If, you, if you're lucky, you'll retire and then do what you love, which I hated that version of like, really, I have to spend how many decades doing stuff I hate first? Like, I just that no, I can't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, because right. the, the, the world changed like 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 right now. Absolutely. I mean, everything. So I've been at Voice America for 16 years. Right. When I tell people that they're like, that is unheard of. That doesn't happen anymore. Like you're, right. you're doing the other thing. But I'm also doing what I love. I, I'm doing exactly what I like to do. I mean, I love this having conversations with human beings about great things. I love I love talking about technology and audio. I've been an audiophile since I can't, for however long, I can't even remember. Remember back in the day, you're like, you call the radio station and, and you're like, <laughs> yep. hey, I wanna request this song. And then you sit in front of your tape recorder for a half an hour or an hour until they actually play your song so you can then record it. And you right, know, so right. like that was the life that I, I lived. And that's how much, you gotta really love music and sound if you're gonna sit around for an hour just to live, 
to record three minutes of audio so you can listen <laughs> to it later. But I mean, that was like the beginning of, you know, the reason why I'm so passionate about audio and, and all those things. But then, you know, going to college and uh, taking a course that just changed my whole outlook on life was interpersonal communication 101 mm-hmm. when I was in college. The first time that I took the class, I was the only male in the class and it was so hard for me to understand these perceptions of how I think other people think I am versus how I actually am versus how people actually think of me, right? Those those three mm-hmm. components of, of, uh, of those areas. And when I would have these group sessions with, uh, you know, the teacher and all of these women that were in the class, like I just couldn't relate because I'd never had experienced any of those things. I ended up failing the class the first time I took it in summer school. Then finally I, I got an A, but it was like something that changed my entire outlook on communication with people. Um, and it's definitely something I think about every day. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 what, what's your take on that? See, I love communication. I I think one of the upsides of growing up the way I did was the building the need, I guess, basically, in order to create a safe space for myself, I had to be hyper aware of everybody else mm-hmm. and picking up on the subtleties of emotions and cues and communications and things like that. And so I became really aware of people's interactions with each other. I can walk into a room and read it sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by that stuff. I'm fascinated <laughs> by how people think, what, you know, I'm trained as a life coach. Um, actually, when I was in high school, I wanted to get into being a criminal profiler and did some volunteering in college and decided, well, that, you know, surrounding myself by the absolute worst of society is not a life choice I wanted to make. So life coaching, you know, addressed that desire to get into how people think in a much more positive, fun way. And so it's always fascinated me like, okay, you get two people who are faced with the exact same situation, have all of the exact same tools, and yet one of them is moving forward and one of them is stuck. What's the difference? And you really get into it and it's like it's how they think and how they're communicating that really plays a significant role. Those who think they can literally find a way, those who think they can't close all the doors mentally. And that comes through our communication as well. Those who think they can are willing to ask for help. They're willing to share their challenges. They're willing to speak out loud about what might be possible. Those who can't may have friends showing up saying, here's a possibility like, oh, well, that won't work. That won't work. You know, so it plays out in everything that we do. And of course, organizational communications just takes that to a whole new level. There's a lot of stuff we did in my master's program around how to create a vision and get an entire organization of hundreds or thousands of people Mm -hmm. all on board moving in the same direction at the same time. And not to get too far into politics, but I really wish some of our leaders had taken those courses Um, because we're just not, in my opinion, moving in the same direction at the same time. So we're seeing what difference that makes, you know, at various levels. And there is a lot of change that I am so grateful to be seeing because I, I compare it to birth, actually, 
you know, there's a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort and a whole lot of stuff that comes with first being pregnant and then actually giving birth. And it can be painful even after that for a little while, even though it's a miracle and it's wonderful and you love it, it doesn't always feel good to move through it. And it really feels like that's where we are. There is something beautiful and miraculous and wonderful being birthed at a, I want to say, social, cultural, even spiritual level. And we are going through all of the birth pains. We are going through all of the discomfort and we need to. It's these challenges that are shaping us. It's these challenges that are giving us the opportunity to decide, here's where I stand and yeah. here's what my truth is. And these challenges that are giving a whole lot of people an opportunity to evolve in ways they never thought they could. Yeah. So yes, it's hard and to me it's absolutely beautiful at the same time and all of it's <laughs> being communicated simultaneously in all sorts of ways I, so i like your take on can't right um <laughs> this is something that my daughter and I, I have this conversation probably every day you know and she'll tell me i can't do that dad and i'm like did you try mm -hmm. she goes kind of and i'm like well <laughs> how do you know if you can or cannot if you haven't tried um you know, and I try to I try to get her to understand that the word can't should not be part of her vocabulary, right? Mm -hmm. um, you should change your vocabulary. You know, can can you reach the top shelf on the refrigerator right now, or can you top can you reach the top shelf on the refrigerator? No, I can't. I said, nah, you can't right now, right? right. And understanding that you know you're gonna have some limitations as you grow into uh, an adult. And some of those limitations are only going to be hindered by your ability and perseverance to do something towards mm -hmm. getting to that goal. And I love this. There's a quote by uh, this gentleman is currently the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. You know, I'm in Arizona. I'm a, I'm mm -hmm. a sports fan. I'm so going crazy right now because I can't watch baseball or basketball or anything. But uh, Monty Williams was a former L.A. Laker, and he's the coach of the Phoenix Suns. And there's a quote that he uses that I that he coined. Um, his his wife passed away, um, and then he was just you know the sole father to his children. Um, got back into coaching into the NBA and was doing a press conference at the beginning of this year as he took over as the head coach. And I'm going to quote him. One of the things he said, and and it's absolutely beautiful, is everything that you want is on the other side of hard, mm -hmm. right? If you yep. don't, if you don't get yourself into uncomfortable situations or uh, put yourself in a manner where you push yourself um, to get outside of your comfort zone, you're never going to grow. You're never going to ascertain the, uh, you know, the goals that you may have set for yourself because nothing in life is just handed to you, right? It's something, everything that you get, you have to work for. And that's why I love that quote so much is everything you want is on the other side of hard. Um, yep. And if more people could internalize the idea of that and, and understand that life is not, you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time, you know, it's, it's work, it's effort, it's um, emotion, you know, all of those mm -hmm. things all come into play. And, you know, especially, you know, like what your website says, mindset matters, thriving through change. You know, if you have that mm -hmm. mindset of I'm OK with a little difficulty, I'm all right with that. Bring it on. You know, having that type of an attitude, I think, is what really fosters the growth. 
Absolutely. And the reality is, without the contrast, we wouldn't be able to appreciate either one. Agreed. I mean, we, we appreciate the light because it gets dark. Yep vice versa. So we require the contrast as human beings to appreciate any of it. We don't really know what joy is without <laughs> the grief, you know? And one of the things that I I am so grateful for the life coaching training I took because it was based in neurolinguistic programming, so how the brain I love NLP. Uh, Oh man, it's it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, so how the, how the brain understands and interprets language and, and turns it into meaning, basically. And they talked about how we ask questions and the, the, the idea that the brain literally will find an answer to any question you ask it. And it doesn't matter what question you ask. It will always try finding an answer. It's why we see questions used in marketing so much. But here's the thing, so many of us, because we're fundamentally, primarily, and in many ways programmed to notice the negative as a survival instinct, if something happens, we wind up unconsciously asking things like, you know, well, why do bad things always happen to me? Or why was I so stupid? Or why, you know, all these negative questions. Well, the brain will find an answer and affirm those for you. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I learned to do to catch myself and help me maintain a mindset no matter what was going on in my life was to shift my questions and go, okay, how can this situation make me a better person? How, you know, how might even this be perfect somehow? How might I take this and turn it into a lesson that I can help other people with somehow? You know, Shifting the questions completely redirects our energy oh, yeah. and redirects our lives. I mean, I would not be doing what I am today if I hadn't shifted my questions when I was 27. So yeah. even though it's been a long path to get here, <laughs> I can absolutely trace it through the questions I was asking along the way and, and at each phase of my life, that that's why I'm here. And that's a lot of what the mindset matters material that I'm, I'm creating and putting together is about is like, okay, what are the empowering questions and why, what makes that an empowering question? Yeah. So it's 60 days of empowering questions with a little story and information around how to really use that. Yeah. That's uh, a technique I've had to use with, with like the way I'm inter interacting with my daughter, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, instead of being like how my dad was, you need to go do this right now, this and da, 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 da. You know, sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, that's just not gonna work. We gotta rephrase this, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, and she'll say, I don't wanna do this. And I'll be like, well, you know, so tell me why. Uh, and then rephrasing the question to create action, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, um, do you want to go do this later? Oh yeah, I do. Great, well, in order to get to there, we gotta do this first. And so rephrasing questions, mm -hmm. I think is very, very powerful, Lori, very powerful. <laughs> Very powerful. And part of me sort of laughs. You know, I, I remember my mom growing up. She, she'd be like, well, do you want to take out the trash? And I'm like, no. So I, I would kind of force her to reframe the question for me. It's like, look, I'm willing to do it. You just got to ask it in a way that's, you know, it's like, am I, would you be willing to? Yes, absolutely. So I, even as a teenager, even though I was being a little bit sarcastic and a, and a pain in the, the, patootie uh, <laughs> I was aware that questions mattered yeah. you know and I still laugh when I hear somebody say oh can I borrow a piece of gum 
Yeah, no, are you no, going to give it back? I don't want it back. <laughs> you know? And there's so many things we do that. And, yeah. and, you know, those kinds of things aren't a big deal. But the reality is our questions literally create our life. Yeah. And so to be able to just be conscious of that and use it as a tool is incredibly powerful. And yeah. it's so cool that you're doing that with your kids, too. I, yeah. I when my kids were little, I did a lot of those kinds of things. Lori, like, I want to okay. thank you because this has just been a great hour. I, I just looked at the clock and I'm like, whoa, we've already been talking for a whole <laughs> hour. It's so awesome. So first of all, let me give you a round of applause. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you being on Finding Your Frequency. I want to tell all the listeners that are listening to go to LoriAnnRising.com, L-O-R-I-A-N-N-E-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. And also, please don't forget to listen to her radio show right here on Voice America. It's a fantastic show. Uh, you guys go check it out. It's on the Variety Channel at 12 o'clock on Tuesdays and you can listen in live or on demand and of course the podcast is all over you can get it on Apple TuneIn Spotify Stitcher uh, any podcast directory and then make sure please when you're listening to this episode rate us five stars not four Lori and I deserve it I mean she's been put in the work for a long time I've learned a lot from this I'm sure you guys have too so make sure you reach out to Lori go check out the website uh, and again Lori thank you for being on the show uh, and for all of you thank listeners you. that are listening out there stay tuned next week we'll have another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and place your order on their easy-to-use website. On schedule delivery. One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four scents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPASPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. SpaTree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreatOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer.